Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. You are listening to the Load Management Podcast. Why? I don't know. What's going on, everybody? Brand new episode of the Load Management Podcast. It's your man Shops here in Cleveland. That's still new and noteworthy podcast. Uh, we appreciate you guys rocking with this week in, week out. May was our biggest month ever. So big thank you to you guys for that. Uh, we're going to keep the content coming. Today we have a huge, huge episode. We not only have Lamar Jackson, the reigning NFL MVP, who uh, my man Zion, who's with us, uh, you know, Mike can autograph from during the episode. You're going to have to wait and see how that plays out. But we also have two-time World Cup winner Kristen Press joining us later. So two interviews Huge episode this week. Before that, I do want to get into something. I got Adam with me, my trusty co-host, Adam, who's always so... See, Adam, here's the thing. We got Zion with us, too, our our social guy. (laughs) Yes, Darth Vader over there chiming in. Adam, I want them to get to know us a little bit more as people because they're listening to us. Why are you shaking your head? Where are you going with this? Go ahead. Just ask the question already. I know what you want to ask me. Go ahead. No, well, you did you see Adam? Do you follow me on Twitter? Yeah, I do follow you on Twitter. Did you see my tweet? Yeah, I did. Promoting this week's episode? I, I did, yeah. I did come across that on Sunday so, afternoon. So let me give everybody some backstory here. We we're constantly thinking of guests for this show. Outside the box type guests. Not just athletes. We want to get other people who have interesting takes on sports. Through that, a certain show came up while talking about potential guests. And I said to Adam, hey, what do we get some of the guys who are on Entourage? They like sports. Turtle, huge Knicks fan. The guy who played Turtle, Jerry Ferrara, huge Knicks fan. Huge Jerry sports Ferrara, fan. Come, come on the podcast. Jerry Ferrara, come, Jerry Ferrara, come on the podcast. Huge sports fan. Uh, I think getting Jeremy Piven, even though he's charging $15,000 for Zoom, for Zoom, uh, 10 minutes on Zoom calls right now, we'd have to get some budget, I guess. He's, but Jeremy, from, he's from Chicago, right? So He was in the last dance. Jeremy Piven, come on the pod. Chicago sports, sports fan, Jeremy Piven, come on the podcast. We'll get, we'll get $15,000 so we can afford your Zoom call. But I brought up to Adam an, a third Entourage cast member who directed a 30 for 30 once. And it was a it was a no go, Adam. Why was why why can why is Kevin Connolly banned from the podcast? <laughs> I'm not telling the story. But Kevin Connolly is Here not Kevin Connolly is not coming on the podcast. We have uh, can we uh, can we dance around the story? I'm trying no, to think of how I want to dance story. around this. I'm not tell telling the story. story. Uh, no, certain no. individuals know the story. I told no, you no. two the story, but in some people back in you know the complex office back when I was in the let's New York just listen. You're wasting story. time. Jump into let's, the story. Let's just say that there was a mutual acquaintance between Adam and E from Entourage. And long story short, he is no, he's no, he's not welcome on this podcast. Okay, can I tell the story? No, you can't tell the story. No, that's privileged information. (laughs) So let's just say it's a little contentious, and uh, you know, we I can do without E from Entourage with Kevin Connolly, even though he is a noted sports fan. He is he's a uh, from we don't need to be nice. We don't need Adam. I'm riding with you. He's, Adam, I'm riding with you. Bro. If it's fucking, but, but we need to express why we're on your side. 
If it's fuck E, it's fuck E, and we'll we'll ride with you, Adam. We'll we'll go down on the that path. But we just need to give context. Yeah, you guys have the context. It's not for public consumption right now. Okay, so everybody listening to this, tweet tweet me with your best theory about what happened between Adam and Kevin Conley, aka aka E from Entourage. And I'll do my best to, to lead you guys down this. Actually, you this want me road. to tell you one quick Kevin Connolly story? Because this did actually happen. Do you have was, more than one? I have another one. I didn't know one, you yeah. had more I than had one two, Kevin Connolly. Yes. So me being an L.A. resident, uh, one of my favorite places to go to was Uncle Paulie. Shout out to the guys who are on the deli over here great, in Beverly, great, Beverly great Boulevard deli. in downtown L.A. Love Steve. Love Paulie. Love all the guys behind the counter um, running it. I've been going there since I've been out here for three years now. I think one day, maybe uh, like some dreary summer day, I was eating my bacon, egg, and cheese um, like you get back in New York outside. And um, since it was kind of dreary, a little misty out, there was normally this, the four seats when everything was normal mm-hmm. outside would be filled up with people enjoying their breakfast sandwiches, just chilling, having some coffee. That day, there was only one other table um, that, was, that was occupied with two people. One of them happened to be Kevin Connolly. And the other happened to be Leonardo DiCaprio. Oh my so the God. two of them were, were just breakfasting, Leo vaping like a machine, and um, just sitting there by themselves. And I noticed Connolly, and I haven't um, had a chance to run into Connolly or, or talk to him. Can or, we? You have to tell the story now. Now that you told I'm the not, other story, you I'm have not, to tell the story. I'm not telling the story. But I didn't. I didn't get. I didn't. I didn't bother two of them because they were in quiet conversation, doing their own thing. They're obviously their friends. If you guys listen, know them a little about, bit. We're about like seven minutes in here, you have told us absolutely nothing. You have to. I'm, I'm, just, to, I'm you, telling you. You have to give I, them. I could have. I could have made a scene and and did something and and you know kind of had a little confrontation. Can I give some context? No. Can I give some context? We'll see. We may have to delete this, but go ahead. It's it. You guys, New York's a big city. People date each other. You guys had a run in with a common, a common girl. That's that's what happened, and it and it got weird. I have I have no comment on that. He has no comment on that. So the fact that I can't believe you didn't tell us this—that you ran into him at Uncle Polly's and you didn't flip his table over. You would have made I didn't because he was there with Leo. I didn't think it'd be good to make a scene with with the business and with Leo there. And also it's right by King's Road Cafe, which sometimes has some people. So I thought better of making a scene in the middle of Beverly Boulevard with uh with a quote unquote nemesis of mine sitting right there. But that was I my last it. that was about a year and a half or two years ago of that running. I don't have any celebrity beefs. Like maybe I need a celebrity beef. You have a you have a beef with E, and that's well. Amazing. I also yeah. I can t- also I've had other beefs too, dating back to my time as a gossip reporter. Nah, but, but those don't count because that's professional. These this is a personal beef, which is great. <laughs> well, uh, maybe one day I'll tell you this the uh, story of Spike Lee cursed me on the telephone. That's well, one of my favorite stories. All right, you're not gonna tell us nothing. I'm not Next. telling you anything. I'm not commenting. We know on the this. story. Uh, Everybody, tweet me what's your theory about why Adam's beef with E from Entourage is about, and I will try and lead you guys down the right path without, you know, with respecting the privacy of my co-host, Adam Caparell. Yes. I wish you would have, I wish you would have flipped over his head. We need, so Jeremy Piven, you can come on the pod. Jerry Ferrara, you can come on the pod. Kevin Dillon, if you're a sportsman, you can come on the pod. Kevin Dillon, who played drama, I guess you can come on the pod. Sure. Whatever. Uh, The dude who played Vince, come on the pod. E, I'm sorry. Adrian Grenier is a sports fan, but yeah, come on the pod. E, I'm sorry. You are not allowed on the pod. So I just wanted, you know, to give give the people yeah, that's a, a nice, little nice idea try. of our personal lives. You know, no, it was a good try. Nice try. Uh, as I said, we have a big episode this week. Lamar Jackson, Kristen Press, two interviews, one episode. Both were recorded uh, 
earlier in May. So you'll notice that the conversations are kind of not really focused about what's going on in America right now. Obviously, some very serious shit that continues to happen and everything. So the conversations don't really touch on that because they happened before that. I don't want anybody to think that Lamar and Kristen did not want to talk about that because I'm sure both of them would if we would have interviewed them just weeks later. So uh, both really fun conversations. We did not ask either Lamar or Kristen about Adam's dating life. I should have. My bad. Uh, Complex Sports, or Complex, also our coworker, Rowan, joins us for the Kristen Press interview, which is, you know, really fun. Into her, Kristen's business, business, winning the World Cup twice, all that kind of stuff. Really fun conversation. While we have Zion here, I did really want to talk about the Kyrie situation going on with the NBA. The NBA and NBA PA two Fridays ago agreed to a restart plan. Everything looked to be normal this past week. There was rumblings that some players weren't okay with it, with everything going on in the country. It came out that Kyrie was the the most vocal. So I really just want to say, I can't believe that people are ragging on Kyrie for simply speaking his mind, knowing that the NBA is probably coming back anyways, due to just how the financials are set up. So, and Kyrie probably knew that, like he knew that he probably wasn't going to be able to stop this machine, but he's instituted change. Like this is going to be on people's minds even more because Kyrie did this because Kyrie spoke up. What do you guys feel about that? Take it away, Zion. I mean, Kyrie got a lot of backlash at first. And at first, I was kind of like reluctant. Not even just at first. Not even at first. I think he's still getting backlash. Well, he's still getting backlash, but I think people are opening their eyes a little bit because, I mean, he's right. Like, I think some, I think I sent you an angel tweet. It was like somebody said, uh, Pat Bev is trending right now because of what Mm -hmm. he said about LeBron and Rayshard Brooks was just killed the night before. Like, that's kind of like what, what's, when the NBA starts, people are going to be talking about, oh, Kawhi did this, Giannis did this, and kind of it's going to overshadow what's going on in the world. So, I mean, he has a point, and I don't think he's, like, crazy or anything, but uh, I still think, like, the NBA is not, like, they're not in a bad situation for coming back. They're not wrong for that. No, no. I don't. I don't think they're wrong at all. I think that what Kyrie did is going to help them in the long run because he probably he accelerated them needing to talk about this and need to make sure that they do make a statement in Orlando. And I, I think it's like the, the uh, I think I just think I didn't like the way that Kyrie's being painted in this situation. You don't need to bring up that Kyrie forced his way out of Cleveland and didn't get along with, with Brad Stevens when talking about this, you, you just do not need earth. to do that. You don't need to bring up the flat earth. Right, yeah, like whatever he believes about space and everything is fine. You don't need to bring that up right now, um, Adam. What do you? What, did you have any thoughts on this Kyrie thing? Well, yeah, listen, Kyrie. This, I mean, you know, Kyrie making a statement and is the statement that he made, um, and his contrarian views is on brand for him. He's a contrarian. He questions kind of you know not authority but like questions the status quo, and that's not necessarily a bad thing. It's easy to jump on him because we're so desperate for distraction, so desperate for sports. The idea that someone would say some of this potentially sabotage the NBA's return or, or you know, seed um, disruption when it's so close to coming back. Like, yeah, we all want basketball back. We all want somebody to distract us from the awful fucking news that's on on a, on a daily basis. It's like one thing after another that just mentally and emotionally beats you down. But what Kyrie raised in his assertions that were backed up by Dwight Howard, 
Lou Williams and others, like it's legitimate. Like you can easily make a case that these that these NBA players with huge platforms and their massive followings could do awesome work to reform and to change views and to further support the protest and the momentum that has been going on in the country for the past month by not playing basketball in Orlando, not being subject to what could be a very um, unique and stifling environment and, and maybe hurt guys mentally. So, uh, you know, the the people jumping down Kyrie's throat and vilifying him, you could have seen that coming a mile away because he's so easy to jump on with his, again, alternative theories and, and observations. But I think what he brought up was completely legit, and it was backed up by a number of prominent individuals in the NBA that agree with him. And while I would say I would love there to be, you know, a balancing act of, and I would I would argue that guys returning to the NBA can, you know, maybe make more of a statement with the platform that the return of the NBA would offer than not, you know, playing and not having TV cameras on them. But I get where Kyrie's coming from, and it's a brave thing for him to be, you know, again contrarian and, and put out that view that he knows he's going to get hammered for. If any other True. player did it, nobody would have said anything about it. I don't know about that, but I mean, again, Kyrie, not not any guy. other player, not any yeah. other player, but Kyrie was one of like five to ten players who, if they said it, people were going to be like, "No, he's just trying to be, uh, he's just trying to disrupt what's going on right now." Hundred percent. But I think it's also too you, that people factoring, okay, he's just saying this because he's not playing. And he's that not, was another thing. I mean, Kendrick Perkins said. Kendrick Perkins, who a lot of people say, Kendrick Perkins, also come on the pod. Please come talk to us. We'd love to have oh you on. <laughs> <laughs> well, people, all right. Disclaimer, but, though. But, Kendrick but, says a lot of clown statements, but go ahead. Yeah, come talk wow. about your statements with Please us. Bring that energy out. But Perk said, where were you 10 days ago? You just you just brought this up now because you found out you weren't going. Which... Mm. No, well, he said yeah, that. He said like, that. I'm not buying that yeah. because he knew for a while he wasn't going to play, and at the same time, he's just talking because he's the vice president. People, people are ignoring that this man is the vice president of the NBA. Uh, NBA so PA. Like, like you can't just ignore that, and you just can't no, say, "Oh, you, he's talking." Of course, you can't ignore it. And there's still so much unknown about what, how things are going to go down in Orlando, and obviously what the temperature of the country is going to be. You know, in a month when these guys have to report, like it's completely legitimate to bring up these questions and to basically, you know, put up additional things for the NBA and the Players Association Keep- and everyone involved to answer. And to, again, to be contrarian, to to disrupt a little bit, like he's going to get knocked for that. But I, I, what Kyrie Keep- did, I don't, I don't get the overall criticism people jumping down the throat for this people are mad at the messenger not the message that's a good point yeah that's a good point because Kyrie was the messenger people were like oh he's just trying to beef with lebron he's just trying to ruin lebron's shit going on and it's like that's not fair to Kyrie. and arguably guy and guys like Kyrie and other high earning individuals have so much more to lose by not going to play in orlando there's been you know austin rivers has said stuff about 99 percent of the league doesn't make the money that Kyrie makes and other guys make and it's not quite the accurate numbers but yeah. there are a lot more guys that are that need those checks need that money than guys that don't but guys again the higher earners in the nba who would be foregoing a lot of their money and with the cba implica- cba implications if the league did not return to play would be massive like there are there are so many ramifications and it's really serious and guys need to weigh very heavily and Kyrie bringing up all these issues again getting it vilified when when the NBA is so close to returning and we're so desperate for basketball and any kind of action but it's legit and NBA players hopefully are studying and thinking about this really hard because it is a really serious and legitimate issue and matter yeah 100 percent uh before we get into our guests obviously we have Lamar Jackson and then Kristen Press, two really good interviews. 
I did just want to quickly say I hated the long gone summer Maguire Sosa doc. As someone who wrote some takeaways from it last night, watching it live, um, we'll leave that <laughs> we'll leave that business issue aside, chops. But um, yeah, I think it was overall disappointing. It didn't. It only spending it, ten or fifteen minutes talking about the steroid issue was a complete cop out because essentially. I'd say 90% of the people that watched that documentary last night came to hear any revelations or new tidbits about steroids. And we got absolutely nothing. It, it and, was like, bro, why were they showing current in 2019 shots of Wrigley in the <laughs> shots about from the 98? Like it was, it's, it came off lazy to me. And like, also I didn't really feel comfortable. It seemed like a Mark McGuire redemption story, but then yeah. Sammy Sosa just tacked it's much on. more. Yeah, it's much more. McGuire I didn't like that. I didn't, I didn't like that at all. I didn't like how they portrayed and, Sammy. And, and Sammy had a, a better personality, ten times better personality For, than McGuire. <laughs> like, yeah, like I really enjoyed Sammy a lot more during it. And they, yeah, they completely glossed over the the congressional hearings, which were extremely controversial because McGuire neglected not to speak about the past, and Sosa yeah. famously neglected to speak um, English when he's completely capable of English. His lawyer was. I mean, that's a flex, though, saying you don't know how to speak English, but then doing a whole documentary in English. Exactly, but like, there's so many underlying things about you know the steroid aftermath and and all the controversies that are that are ripped up and how. Um, you know, groundbreaking, I guess for lack of a better word, that season was because it officially ushered in the steroid era. And those two are front and center of what it became to be before Bonds really took the mantle. But um, also, yeah, was, also the ahead. first time they brought up steroids, they showed Barry Bonds. He wasn't in any of it until then. The, like why, the goat. They slandered the goat. The, yeah. Like why, why Bond? This wasn't about Bonds. And the first time you talk about steroids, you're showing Bonds. Like it's not... It's not low. You're not low. We saw what you were doing. I don't know. I just, I feel like I, I, I didn't like it. I didn't like it. It was a cool trip down memory lane to remember how crazy that that whole situation was because you don't see baseball on top like that. But I did not really like the doc and how it was put together. I mean, it very much waxed poetic about how, you know, majestic and romantic it was in 98 to, to get wrapped up in the home run race. Like, if you were a sports fan, you got wrapped up in it. I mean, Zion, you were obviously way too young, but I remember vividly a lot of, for a bunch of different reasons, but personal reasons why, um, you know, what when those home runs were hit and, and what happened. Adam, quick question. Who's the GOAT? Who's the baseball GOAT? Um, I've always made this argument that it's it's clearly Babe Ruth. Oh my! I would disgusting. say Barry Bonds. I would say Barry Bonds. No, I get content, like yes, more contemporary Bro, Babe baseball Ruth was fans playing against like Carpenters. <laughs> no, I get Bro. that argument completely, and he wasn't he wasn't playing against you know the black athletes who were relegated to Negro leagues. Like obviously, MLB was closed off. But Babe Ruth was also a really accomplished pitcher. Go back and look yeah, at his numbers, he was, and he was a two-way he was, player until he switched to be the greatest left, 80, one of the greatest left mile per hour fastballs, bro. Bro, I don't he even think they were eighty no, mile no. per hour. They were, Babe Ruth was hitting sixty-five <laughs> mile per hour fastballs. That's an. He was not. That's he was not hitting a hundred. He was not hitting a hundred ninety. I think I they didn't have they didn't have mile per hour guns back then. Were we guys throwing a hundred? Probably not likely because guys were also throwing two hundred pitches per outing, but. The skill level that Babe Ruth showed as a pitcher and a right fielder, and obviously the greatest home run hitter until Hank Aaron came around, is undeniable. So, I, but I get the fact that the argument that he didn't face the top level competition is completely legit. But Barry Bonds never pitched. Babe Ruth pitched in the World okay. Series. Barry go Bonds, was, ba- getting, Barry Bonds was getting pitching. walked with the bases loaded, buddy. He was a million <laughs> times. Ba- ba- Barry Bonds, the greatest contemporary hitter that that we've seen. Also, so like, people can bring up steroids with Bonds, but he was putting up numbers before Barry Bonds the a Hall of Fame before he started taking steroids. Yes, he 100%. should be in the Hall of Fame. If Bud Selig, that's another thing. Listen, fuck here's the, here's my biggest here's my, here's my biggest gripe owners. about that. 
The Baseball Hall of Fame, just like every other Hall of Fame, is essentially a museum. If you've ever gone to Cooperstown, it operates like a fucking museum. It is a goddamn museum. So there's no reason why these baseball writers who are old and a million times wider than I am can't vote in the guys who have had alleged steroid use or noted steroid use. Like, who they profited off of. Exactly. Who they profited yeah, like, off during that time. You they can, made so much money off You can money document off what happened, put it in the museum, acknowledge that these guys put up numbers, and give it context. It's not that fucking difficult. It's not going to ruin the game. Like, you just make a mockery of it by not acknowledging it in the museum it's supposed to be the grand cathedral of baseball so just allow a rod clemens bonds anyone else i can make an argument that sammy sosa and mark mcguire maybe don't belong in the hall of fame but all these other guys sheffield in my opinion belongs in the hall of fame fucking rafael Palmeiro belongs in the goddamn hall of fame but those guys are never going to sniff the hall of fame for 20 years because of the nonsense of baseball writers what are we going to say young zion about nobody caring I said, I said, nobody cares about Rafael Primero. We don't, we don't care about him. Well, right. he also hit, he hit 500 home runs and hit 3,000, had 3,000 hits. So that's like, we that's, that's like top bring, 1%. Bring, I, I don't, I, I am not a medical doctor. So disclaimer, but bring steroids back to baseball. That's what I'm going to say. I, listen, if everyone signs off on it and they're okay with the health, you know, defects, like I don't give a shit. Give it Let's to do them. It. If Let's these guys want to take it and they want to see 80 home runs in a season. I don't know about that. That may be pushing it, but at the same time, I mean, you know, uh, you can make a case that part of baseball's problems is the fact that it's two reliant on the home run, but that's a different well, issue. Yeah, really call Babe Ruth the GOAT. That, that's yeah, a problem. He was a All right, two-way player. Move, Go look at the stats. Let's get to Lamar, man. This Moving on. <laughs> let's get to our Lamar Jackson interview. Obviously a very fun interview. Uh, talked about his new Madden cover. Where young Zion the- committed an ethical and moral quandary. Yeah, Zion, oh. Zion asked, yes. asked Lamar. For, no, no, straight up asked for an autograph in the middle. Of the I did no, not, no, 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 no. I Lamar don't, offered. Don't do that. Lamar offered to autograph his jersey. All right, true, true, true. Yeah, uh, we yeah. talked about that. We talked about the Madden cover, which just dropped today. Uh, Lamar's on the cover. New gameplay out and everything. So that's out. We talked about that. We talked about Vic and Madden, the haters, the Drake curse, the Madden curse, everything. Uh, really fun conversation with Lamar. So we're gonna get into that. Let's do it. We have very special guest, NFL MVP, Lamar Jackson, joining us. Lamar, what's going on? Thank you for joining us. What's going on, fellas? I'm glad you guys got me. (laughs) 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 For the listeners at home, Lamar's uh, uh, iPad uh, keeps falling back, which is all good. Uh, Lamar, Lamar, this is big time for you. The Madden cover. Like, what does that mean to you? Like, the 2021 NFL Madden cover – what what does that mean? Oh, it means a lot, man. It's a dream come true. You know, that's something you want to do since you was a little kid. Um, from playing all the matches from 2004 on, it's a dream come true. I just can't wait to see it in stores. <laughs> I love that you said 2004 because I think 2004 is when a lot of people got into Madden. Yeah. Michael Vick cover. A lot yeah. of people compare. Who's more unstoppable in Madden, 04 Vick or 2020 Lamar Jackson? Oh no! Oh no! I have to grab the game to find out. <laughs> Everybody's gonna have to go and get it. What did you when you played back in the day? Did you play with the Falcons? Did you play with Vic in Madden? Yeah, yeah, for sure, for sure. That's how I had to cheat. You know, that's the only guy they couldn't stop. So I get him and go to spinning around, reversing field, come back, score me a touchdown for eighty yards. <laughs> I mean, Cole Pepper to Randy Moss too was a pretty dynamic duo on Madden back oh, in the day. Oh my God! You know, can't forget mom. that. Yeah, you can't forget that. Randy Moss was too fast. 
Couldn't nobody guard him. Yeah, I think I think Randy's definitely on that uh, that Madden Mount Rushmore. If we did one, it's Vic. Wait, Ricky Williams was good too, now in two thousand four. Yeah, Ricky. Ricky, Ricky, Ricky Williams was very good. Uh, mm-hmm. Ray Lewis, former Raven. Yeah. When they, I think 05, they introduced sure. the hit stick. Yeah, hit stick for Ray Lewis. <laughs> yep, that was like next level. I love when whenever you would – it was like an automatic fumble. No matter who you mm-hmm. hit, if you hit him with the hit stick, automatic fumble. And I played with the Ravens and Falcons on 05. <laughs> who, who's the best Madden player on the Ravens? Hollywood. Mm. Hollywood. Hollywood. Is it close? Are, are you are you guys? Well, no, nah, he got me. I'm I'm not competing with him. I'm playing by myself. <laughs> <laughs> we talked about the 04 cover. Was the 04 Vic cover your favorite cover from the past? Uh, like, have you had a favorite Madden cover? Obviously, yours is going to be your favorite. But has there been one that you were like, damn, like that's like iconic? Uh, I think the one with I think that was Madden 2011. That was with Fitzgerald and um Tripalmalu. Mm-hmm. That was it. That's the year. I'm pretty that sure. That was different because it was two players on it, so that, that was kind of different. I was like, "That's it." All right, I'll take it there. Lamar has anyone, anyone in your inner circle, kind of you know joked around about? Well, I guess you don't want to joke around about it, but basically, has anyone brought up the old Madden curse? Like, is that even still a thing? Um, I you know probably. I mean, it's, it's been a little while. Like Mahomes got injured last yeah. year, but still did okay. Like, it hasn't been. He won a Super Bowl. He won a Super Bowl. It did okay, Adam. Mahomes uh, he won did a Super okay. Bowl yeah, last I mean, year. He won a Super Bowl. <laughs> I'm saying he did okay. <laughs> so, I, if, I mean, if it's a curse, I want it. I want it. I want it. <laughs> there you go. Yeah. So it's a different curse. curse now. Yeah. So I, I really don't care about it. Listen. Right. <laughs> right. What scares you more, the Madden curse or the Drake curse? Neither. I, I don't really know. Because listen, the Drake curse is BS too. Because. Uh, what? Yeah, the Raptors. The Raptors. The only outlier. But it's the most recent one. That's the most recent. one. Nah, he, Lamar. People will say he wore your jersey the week before the playoff game. He wore my jersey ten weeks before that too. Okay, that's true. <laughs> okay. Just, that's a good point. He DM me before that. He DM me before that. Now everybody, everyone else is talking about the trade curse. So that's probably what cursed it. It really is. <laughs> but if we want to go on percentages, if we want to go on percentages here, the Drake curse is, has much more impact than the Madden yeah. curse. Like so the Drake curse like is anonymous, almost like like it yeah, definitely happened. <laughs> <laughs> so tell Drake, right. DM Drake, don't wear your jersey this year. Yeah. yeah. All right, I'm gonna tell him don't wear it until after the Super Bowl. After yeah. the Super Bowl, after at the Super parade, Bowl. he can pull it out. Yeah. And for me, yeah. Lamar, I'm a Browns fan. For me to say that right there is tough. Okay, I'm just okay. I appreciate that. Can you just let you know? I'm a big fan, but I am a Browns fan. Hey, hey, hey. Can you smoke the Browns this year? Yeah, please. Just smoke the Browns. I need to see this man in tears. (laughs) I need to see him in tears. I need to see him in tears. Lamar, five Heisman winners in the division. That's pretty nuts. Yeah, that's dope. That's That's crazy. What's that mean to you? I mean, obviously, like Joe Burrow coming in, you got Baker, and then three on your own team. That's... It's a Heisman Brotherhood, AFC, baby. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I forgot to mention, Zion is your biggest fan. Zion, hold up. Zion is your biggest fan. No, no, no. Let me Look tell y'all out. because let me tell you because I was rocking with him when they were slandering him. You know, so that's what I'm talking about. To, I had to cop. You know, I had to. I got to. Hey, I got to sign that. I got to get that sign. Oh well, appreciate that. If you sign this, showing off the jersey right now. If you sign this, I will put this on my wall. Like I got you, bro. I got to make sure that sign. I got to be on the wall. <laughs> there we go. On Zion's wall. Lamar, right. Zion did some research on, on 
LeBron before he looked up some old tweets before. No, they're not bad. You have yeah. a lot of LeBron is the GOAT tweets. Oh, oh yeah, I saw a couple of 2018. Let me listen first. We're not okay. we're not against it, but we'll give you is yeah, LeBron some of us still can battle is, that one. That's some uh, of us. All right, Adam might be against it, but is LeBron still the GOAT after watching Last Dance? I mean, it's different eras. Like he's a go to my era. Like mm. I don't, I can't portray what him and Jordan do. Like if you pick at Jordan with with Jordan being twenty some, however age he was in his prime, and LeBron come along, and then they can be able to play, then we can see. But I'm LeBron. I can't change my mind. That's my guy. Like I wasn't able to see Jordan play, but I like. But did watching the last dance did it change your perspective at all about what MJ was and who he is? No, nah, because I already knew. Like I was already seeing him great. He still got his. Tools that selling top match to this day. So it's Jordan. People still talk about Jordan like he played yesterday. So <laughs> you're going for a reason. Do you have? Do you think that there is a definitive NFL quarterback goat? Because that's a Brady. popular Brady. Brady is it? Brady got six rings. Like, I don't care what nobody say until someone surpasses it. Uh, show me better. You go. So when someone brings including myself, Montana, but when someone brings up Montana won four and zero in Super Bowls, do you think that's kind of just a stupid argument to bring up? No, he, he great, too, but it was his own time. Like, Montana was great. Great quarterback. He paved the way for other quarterbacks. Like, those are guys from before us. He did eight things. I just, I turn. That's good to know. That's good to know. Uh, what about goat wide receiver? We talked about Randy Moss. Is Randy Moss the goat wide receiver? He definitely is. He won over. Definitely. Jerry Rice was good, too. Jerry Rice, Jerry, awesome. Jerry Rice, and, you Jerry know, Rice played 20 years. Crazy, twenty years, and then Larry. Larry, a lot of people don't bring up Larry in those conversations. Larry Fitzgerald good too. Larry Fitzgerald is very, very good. To yeah, would tell you he's in that conversation for sure. <laughs> <laughs> but he is though. He's not to belongs in it. I mean, look I at like his stats. Chad, I feel and... like Chad Ocho Cinco too. Now. I'm just saying. Ocho, he's from Ocho, Florida. Yeah, Chad had he's a little Ocho's prime. We get in the Ocho's Miami prime. bias in a little bit more. We get in the Miami bias in. We get the Miami bias in there. Oh man, what? Let's we we have a game called One Gotta Go. Can we play it with you real quick, Lamar? Yeah. One Gotta Go. Kodak Black, Future, Twenty One Savage. Damn, that's hard. I'm, I'm gonna <laughs> say Twenty One. I'm gonna say Twenty One because I've been rocking with Future before him and Kodak. That's my y'all know ain't nothing. Yeah, you already. Oh, everybody. Can go. We knew everybody. Kodak wasn't going. We knew Kodak yeah. wasn't going. Yeah, he wasn't going nowhere. I'm a boy. This this next one is like uh, basically, I guess, I uh, social media comedians. Supreme Dreams, you know Supreme Dreams, right? Yeah, I mean, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Supreme Dreams, Drewski, and Desi oh, and Desi Banks. Hey, damn! And that, that guy, y'all put me in the between the shit and the fart. That's my question. That's my question. Saying you put me between the shit and the fart. That's what I am right now. Because all three of those guys. They funny, so I don't know. That's a hard one. <laughs> you, gotta, you, gotta give me, you gotta give me one. If you fam, got... fam, that's a toxic. <laughs> I, I don't know, bro. All the boys funny, though. They make angle internet. Would you, if if any of them asked you to be in a video, would you do it? For sure, no question asked. We gotta get that. We gotta get that popping because you know you be on social more than a lot of other people. You know, like some NFL oh, guys. Instagram. A lot of NFL guys are like shy. They don't want to be on social, all that kind of stuff. But you, you I just build my story. Nine times out of ten, I build my story. But that's it. All right, that's good. That's good to know. Going into this season, Lamar, what what do you think? Um, your biggest thing that you want to improve on going into 
this next season. Obviously, you guys went fourteen and two. You lost in the playoffs, so so you know, like what what what's the focus going on in the into twenty twenty? Win in week one. Don't do Lamar. <laughs> you know, I'm, I'm telling you, Lamar. You know who they play week one? Yeah, smoke one, that's, that's the goal. Like, I, I got to play. Like we're taking it one game at a time. I'm not picking ahead. Like, mm-hmm. That's what happened in the playoffs, and we end up losing to the team people had us favored over. You know, but it's any given Sunday. You can't underestimate no team, no opponent, and that's what we did. So um, I'm looking for this 2020 season playing the Browns first. Was there any other lesson you learned from the playoff loss? Because you know, obviously that was really unexpected and caught like pretty much everyone by surprise. That wasn't you know essentially like a Titans I- fan. Like I said, don't underestimate your opponents. They caught us by surprise. But did you, that's what you guys did though? Was it? Did you guys really underestimate them? Or was it just a bad day at the office? That's what it looked like. It was a bad day at the office. <laughs> it looked like a really bad day. Yeah, a very bad day. All of them. Like I, I was, I was hoping the game myself. So like that's what did it right there. So can we? It don't matter. Can we, we put to rest all the? All the haters right now. Can we just say all the running back, wide receiver, people saying they take Taysom Hill over you in the offseason? Like, can we put all this to rest right now for me, please? Can we just, like, you're the MVP. Like, shouldn't that all go away? I mean, but, you know, Jordan still get hate to this day. LeBron be getting hate. Yeah, but Jordan's an asshole, Lamar. But hey, I'm, I'm not. But I know, I'm, I'm not <laughs> saying you are. That's what I'm saying. It's different. You're not. You know. Jordan was yeah, a competitive but, asshole. A little bit different. Yeah. yeah. yeah so I don't really look at him like an asshole. But those people, <laughs> it is what it is. Those people probably want to be in your shoes. That's how I look at it. So it is what it is. You know, well, I think you, you post on Twitter like I think the, like one of the best stats out there. You actually led the league in touchdowns from the pocket last year. Which again, yeah. your notoriety and what people expect from you that wouldn't be like obvious, but you had twenty nine touchdowns from the pocket, which is top yeah. in the NFL. And like, if anyone's arguing that you shouldn't, that you're not a prototypical QB or can't be a QB, like that should shut them the fuck up immediately. Right, I'm, I'm with you on that, and they should. But uh, it's up to them. They're gonna run their mouth regardless, you know. Sometimes you punch somebody in the mouth, they probably gonna still talk. So. It is. That's a bar. That's a bar right there. That is a bar. I. Where does that come from? Where, where's that? Where's that ability to? shrug off the uh, the hate and kind of just do you um i've been getting it all my life like my like youth football it was always the same thing so imagine grown people you seven eight years old saying oh you sorry as fuck or oh, you, you suck at this like i've been here all my life so it's like all right and i go out there go out there come out victorious that's how it's always been so i really don't really care because next they know they're gonna be buying a jersey or yeah i want a picture so <laughs> 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 That's hard. That's hard. Uh, yeah, I'm sure there's different people who've asked you for pictures that have probably talked shit now, about Curse me out. I see, listen, okay, let me tell y'all this. <laughs> this is funny. This is funny. We was playing Clemson. 2016. This is the, the game we was back going at. Me and Deshaun going at. Crazy game. Okay, we lose the game. You know, Clemson fans storming the field. <laughs> so, <laughs> like, some kids come up, like Clemson fans. They come up, Lamar, Lamar. And then, like, I seen, I ended up seeing it on social media. He fucking kicked your ass. <laughs> like, they took a picture with me and then put that. I'm like, oh, this is crazy. So, yeah, that was dope. It, it was funny to me. It would just so show you care. that people will hate on you, but try and get yeah, you, like, get, get clout off you. Like, that, yeah. it, it, people clout chase in 2020, and it's pretty sick. They want reactions. They, they want to get famous, and they're doing it the wrong way. Like, I feel you should just be yourself, be humble, and it'll come your way. Keep God first. Not try to limit no, nobody else for real or anything like that, because that's dumb as hell to me. 
But for much, as much hate as you get and continue to get, how much love have you gotten this offseason from like random people and people that you admire, whether it's in sports or music, or that you know reached out and said what's up and congrats? Yeah, I get I get more love than hate, so I appreciate that. Definitely, it's been a lot of people coming to me all type of ways saying you know they love what I'm doing, they love you know what the Ravens doing, they love Mark Ingram, like they gotta <laughs> talk about everything about the Ravens, so it is. All right, so let me ask you this way. Who's the coolest person that you've added into your cell phone that you've been, you know, catching up with since, uh, you know, during this offseason? Um, I've been putting them on my phone like, like that. <laughs> I've just been doing the DMs on Instagram and everything like that. Yeah, who, who, who's the coolest person who ever said, yo, I'm a fan of yours, and it really Am meant something Drake? to you? Other than Drake. Drake don't care. Oh, um, Michael Vick. <laughs> when, I was in, when I was in college, when Michael Vick, you know, tweeted that, that was dope to me, Michael Vick. Everyone else, like, it'd it, it be cool meeting new people. Like, LeBron, that's my favorite player. Like, meeting those guys is next. But, you know, I'm, I'm cool. I don't really, like, act like a fan. <laughs> that, that's, <laughs> why, that's why you're you. Speaking of fans, real quick, what if there's no fans in the stadium this year, how weird is that going to be? Is that going to be different? Uh, it's going to feel like practice. <laughs> it's like a regular season practice. Just, you know, not count practices. It'd be weird, though. Weird. And the Browns gonna feel like practice too. That's all right. right. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Don't. Yeah, Lamar. This is what I deal with all the time. This is what I deal with. Yeah. <laughs> oh, man. You're mic'd up. Quarterbacks are mic'd up all the time. Like everybody's gonna be mic'd up. Is it gonna be a good or a bad thing that we can hear everything during plays and everything? <laughs> <laughs> Mike mess around and Mike mess around and say something we had no business saying. Yeah. What is what is the trash talking really like in the football field that we can't hear? I, I don't trash talk. Like, I don't really talk. But the other guy, they going to say something. I'm going to say some things. You're like. <laughs> but, two, yeah. two more before you get, we get you out of here, Lamar. What's one player on your on the Ravens who you would not want to be quarantined with during this whole pandemic? Like, like if you it was just had to be you two together and you did not want to be with this person. Oh, everybody on my team is pretty cool. Mm-hmm. There's not one guy who's who's just like would not be fun to be around. You can say it, Lamar. Mm, I don't know. Okay. <laughs> Ultimate team player, right there. Ultimate team player. The, the everybody. Q, QB we be cool in our locker room. We good. Like we don't really <laughs> There's got to be one trust, guy that gets man. off corny jokes for, though. It's a, like enough yeah, is enough. For, for reference, Le'Veon. We had Le'Veon. I laugh at corny jokes. I laugh at corny jokes. That's good. We, we had Le'Veon Bell on, and he said Jamal Adams. So yeah, we were just trying to see. If he, was. <laughs> he said Jamal. He said Jamal dances too much, so he he couldn't do it. So we don't like that. <laughs> we all be dancing and I like when we pump. So there we go. There we go. Trust you, feel me? Do you have a favorite juke that you've pulled off in the NFL where you made someone look silly? Uh, I, I, too much in store. I got to do more. Uh, I'm I done seen it too many times. I really don't like him not like that. I'm weird. He didn't juke too many people. You don't like him when you go on IG after a game and every page is just you. Like right, for that moment, yeah. But when I keep seeing it, it's like I do something else. That's cool. fair. That's fair. That's, that's He's very got too many good ones to remember anyway. Yeah. <laughs> let me let me ask this one. <laughs> let me ask this one real quick. You you went to elementary school with Kodak. Do you have any stories of y'all? As a child, no, you no. know where we from? Where we from? It's bad, so like we already got no quick start. <laughs> <laughs> Statue right, of limitations this... have run out. <laughs> <laughs> y'all didn't, y'all didn't like uh, uh, share snacks or nothing. Like 
play recess football. No, is Kodak I was, nice? I was dominant in, in football. That's true. In, in, in elementary, you know, I'm taller than him, so it was it was different. Like, you know, I'm, I'm doing my thing. He played, he was pretty fast, though. I can say that he was fast, man. Okay. Yeah. I think it's just a Florida thing. Everybody's fast. Well, let's real quick about that. You've said Florida has the best football talent out there. Is that still the yeah. case? Yeah, yeah, it's gonna always be that. It's never gonna change. I'm not gonna ever. I ain't gonna never say never. I'm not gonna say never. I'm gonna say I'm not gonna ever change. There we go. Lamar Jackson, thank you so much for joining us. This was awesome. Check out Lamar on the Madden cover. That's a huge thing. And check out the Ravens. I hope they go 14-2 and and the two losses are the Browns. That's all. (laughs) Just beat the Browns twice. That's good good enough for us. Yes, sir. There it is. Zion's got his jersey up. Hey, yeah, we're going to have to get that signed. Thank you so much, Lamar. I appreciate y'all. Have a good one. All right. Huge shout out to Lamar Jackson for joining us. Make sure you go check out his brand new EA Sports Madden 21 cover. Adam, I really uh, loved how much Lamar opened up with us. Yeah, he was really cool. Had a lot of fun with him. Um, Because sometimes Lamar isn't the most, I guess, best sound quote, if you will. You know, he's not exactly known for, you know, giving you the greatest press conference. He's very private. Yeah, he is. He's reserved, which is, I mean, that's that's on him. But he showed a lot of personality with us. It was a lot of fun. And uh, that went about as well as we possibly could have um, expected. So props to the NFL MVP, Lamar Jackson, for bringing it. Um, He was a lot of fun. Yeah, even as a Browns fan, I can appreciate how <laughs> Even as someone that's going to suffer two losses at the hands of Lamar Jackson this upcoming NFL season. Chill the fuck out. Mm-hmm. On that note, let's get to our second interview of the episode. I know one that a lot of people are looking forward to uh, with two-time World Cup champion Kristen Press, who talked about her re-ink company, winning the World Cup, just life on that team in the last dance. We talked a whole, a whole lot with her. Uh, we also have... Again, Rowan joining us. Rowan is the complex soccer expert who uh, we needed for the conversation since me and Adam are a little naive to the I will, to the, to I the will footy. Admit, I will readily admit that football, European football, is not a specialty, and I know barely any of it. I've been exactly. to one big-time soccer game over in Barcelona. Um, but, yeah, cool for Rowan to come on to give us some knowledge. And if you guys don't know, Kristen Press is undoubtedly one of the best women's soccer players in the world, one of the top U.S. women's national team members. So um, she's got bona fide. She has an awesome resume, um, and she hopefully dropped a little knowledge about what's going on in the world of women's soccer for our listeners. So uh, props to her for coming on with another good conversation. Yeah, a lot of fun. So let's get to it. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80 percent less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up Quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365 day returns on your next order. That's Quince.com slash upgrade. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. 
We have a very special guest with us this week. Two-time World Cup champion, Kristen Press. Uh, thank you for joining us. Thanks for having me. Uh, we really appreciate it. Uh, we're really excited. We even brought in our soccer expert, Rowan, to uh, come in and talk with us because uh, we're so excited. Yeah, it's so nice to meet you. I'm so excited about this. Nice to meet you as well. Yeah, some of us on this podcast aren't exactly soccer literate, <laughs> so we had to bring in an expert or two. So, uh, yeah, Ron is definitely a soccer expert here at the Load Management Podcast. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but, Kristen, outside of that, you have a lot going on, which we're very excited about, including Reink, uh, uh streetwear fashion brand startup, which is doing amazing things. How did you guys decide... Because I read that it happened between the 2015 World Cup and the 2019 World Cup that you guys wanted to get into this. What was the ideation process behind that? Yeah, so our company, Reink, uh, feels like, you know, it was a long time coming. I think it grew from this sense that we had as athletes. We always had a label and a value just given to us. Um, this is how much you're worth. Um, this is what you can and can't do, uh, as a female athlete, here's your boundaries. Here's what the expectations are. Um, and so obviously we have fought those boundaries, labels, and expectations as athletes. The whole U S women's national team has done that, you know, since the, since the beginning of time. However, you can only ever get so far pushing back and pushing for a slice of the pie. And so Megan, Megan, Tobin, and I decided to create a new pie and create a new world where uh, we had full ownership over ourselves. And that allowed us to enter this new space where we actually can bring our full, true, authentic selves in a way that um, is not expected from athletes and it's, it's not really accepted from athletes. Um, and so from that feeling of, you know, we can create and we can be whoever we want to be, birthed re-ink. But we started in streetwear um, and that's because it's what we wear. Um, just lifestyle clothes, um, you know, athletic clothes that are stylish and comfortable. And it's a completely male dominated industry made by men for men. And so a lot of the sizes that we wanted, uh, you can find. Um, and so we thought it was the perfect place to, to start to disrupt and to bring a new perspective um, and, and to create clothes um, that were, were genderless. They were free. Um, and to bring that message to the world that, you know, we're here and we're here to disrupt and create change. And because, you know, we love clothes and fashion and style, it was a really natural thing. So give us an idea of how hands-on you guys are with design process. Because, you know, you talked about the, you know, the, the merch drops. And I know you guys have some art that's been, you know, for auction for sale. But give us a definitive idea of like how nitty gritty you guys are getting with, with everything you're putting out. It is a lot of work. I think that it, it might seem that most athletes, when they start brands, like, you know, they have the concept and then their team runs it. I, I think that this is really unique in that the four of us run this company um, day to day. So, you know, I, I work full time for Reink. Honestly, I, I work full time hours, if not more, seven days a week. In terms of specifically design of the clothes, it's, it's a group effort, but it's led by Tobin. She's our creative director. You know, it's, a thousand iterations, clothes being shipped back and forth, um, trying to get everything right. Uh, we've learned that 
fashion is very different than merch and um, labeling clothes is very different than cutting and sewing clothes. And, mm -hmm. and we've learned a lot in that and it's been very challenging, but it's definitely our creation, our hands, our ideas. And I think that's what makes it so special. It's very interesting because the fashion world is so competitive, but you guys are taking such like a head on approach for it. What 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 is that felt like kind of being in that world going from a super competitive, you know, the World Cup, all that like that super competitive, you guys kind of shifted to something just as competitive in a different world. It's been hard, honestly, you know, we we say all the time, like, why did we go into fashion? This is so hard. <laughs> Um, and you know, so many people are doing it so well. And so I think, you know, what we've looked for is just like personal experience, like the things that are missing in our life, like in our closets, on our bodies, like what's missing, that's what we go for. And, and in that there is no competition. Kristen, you talk about competition and uh, just switching gears a little bit. You guys have obviously been competing for equal pay with the, with the men's national team. And obviously early in May, you didn't quite get the ruling that you expected, you know, with the lawsuit that was dismissed. Um, but give us an idea of kind of what the next steps are for you guys and, and where you kind of take this fight. Uh, next? Yeah, I mean, we have been working towards equal pay since the beginning, you know, since our predecessors um, who started this team and started this movement. Um, and, and the first step was just creating value in our sport and um, winning and, you know, earning respect. That's kind of the first step in equal pay. And it was, you know, it was hard to receive that ruling, of course, but um, it was also not entirely unexpected uh, because, you know, we never thought that, that the fight for equal pay would be easy. You know, if it was easy, we would all be paid fairly and equally. The infrastructure that has been um, limiting the ability of women to contribute in, in the fullest way that they can in sport and elsewhere. And so it's this, it's, it seems like it's like, you know, a lawsuit and, and you want to win the lawsuit, but it's actually a battle against history and against mm -hmm. time and against, um, you know, the normalization and the programming that's gone on for hundreds of years. And so, you know, to me, a, a ruling is, um, is just another hurdle. We're going to continue to do everything in our power to um, to appeal and uh, to continue to fight for equal pay. And, you know, I think the very hopeful, inspiring and encouraging part is just having the support of all of our fans um, and, you know, all of our community for the last you know year, especially in this battle has just, you know, given us the strength to do what we do. And where do you think it goes from here? Because I feel like as long as I've been watching the U.S. Women's National Team, this has been a subject, as it should be. Um, but it starts to feel on some level like, okay, you guys have now won three total World Cups. How, many, how much more do you have to do to prove that you deserve equal pay? I mean, I don't think you have to prove anything to deserve equal pay. I think it is you know, just the right of being. Um, but I think winning three World Cups is what has helped shed light on this. And the only way for us to be successful in our lawsuit is for us to be incredibly successful in our sport. And so when, you know, going through 
um, you know, the EEOC claims and the lawsuit, we always like me as a team and we always say, you know, we've got to be able to compartmentalize and handle these two incredibly challenging things at the same time. And we all have to realize, like, I remember just saying this over and over again, as we went into this world cup, that the most important thing we could do, um, for our lawsuit would be to win the world cup. And it's an incredible weight to carry into a world cup. You're not just trying to win, like, you know, the most important tournament of your life, but you're also knowing that that win is like the symbol for change and the platform that allows you to create change. And, and it was a, a definite palpable um, experience, this world cup that we knew we were carrying. And, um, and I think that's what made it even more special and incredible that we won. And I think that's why the country rallied around us so strongly is because they felt that and they knew that, you know, this wasn't the same as the 2015 world cup and it wasn't, you know, going to be the same as the next one. It was a very unique experience. Um, that, that was very tied into, you know, gender equality and pay equality. What's it, you mentioned a few times now, rallying the nation. What is it like to have a whole country supporting you? Because that's like something that we, you, you don't see in the other sports, unless it's like the Olympics or something. But this, this last World Cup, it seemed on such a grand scale, the way you guys were able to kind of just captivate the audience. What is that like winning it, but then coming back and just traveling around the country and seeing just all the love and everything just all over the entire country. Yeah, it's surreal. It's it's funny because like the the first couple years I played on the team, I almost felt like I wasn't a part of it. Like I was in these venues and like the team was so loved and like I loved the team, but like I was just like kind of like there. I didn't really feel like that was me or that was my life, you know? Mm -hmm. Yeah. You know, the longer that you're on the team, the closer you get to the fans and they, they get to know you and they care about you. And so I think in the last few years, I really have felt personally supported by like the whole country. And that has been just a, a an experience that's hard to explain. Um, it's um, kind of why you dream of playing on the team in the very first place, because, you know, the 99 World Cup, I was the 11 year old in the stadium at the World Cup final. So like, I've been on both sides of it, every player on this team has and and it's definitely the, the engine that carries us on. Do you watch the highlights often? Do you just go back and just like watch them on YouTube? Never, not once. What? I never, I haven't seen, like, obviously throughout the tournament, we would go back and like study film. I yeah, haven't yeah. seen the final ones. Wow. Not a single time. And I probably never will. It's like, it's hard to explain. Like, we always, we say this, like, as a team, like, it's almost like you leave the world and you go to this place and you have to create such a bubble and a boundary and you have to tell yourself, like, you're just doing your job, you're just playing your sport, you're just doing what you love that you dreamed of as a kid, but like you have this enormous weight and you have to shelter yourself from that. And then you get, if you win, you get thrown back into the world and you're at parades and you're seeing all these people and like you let all the feelings come in that you've like shut down for six weeks. Mm-hmm. And then the, and then as soon as that's over, like the whole experience is like so bizarre and surreal that I just like, I can't even remember what happened. But you don't have any curiosity to, to look back and, and to watch the highlights and to kind of, you know, relive those moments um, that obviously allowed you guys to have these incredible accolades and these fans and this, you know, adulation when you get back over stateside. 
Honestly, I don't. I don't have any desire. I'm shocked. That's crazy. But I mean, more power to you. I guess that's awesome. You know what it reminds me of? It reminds me of. um, I I mean, it's so funny to hear you say this because I love watching documentaries about the World Cup. And one quote that's always stood out for me is um, in 2010, Andres Iniesta said after winning the World Cup that there's a limit to happiness, and once you break through that limit, there's no coming back. So I don't even think he's watched his World Cup final. Just like he won and couldn't ever talk about it again. That's so funny. Yeah, it, yeah. It's just like the feeling that I have is so real that like any individual like memory or clip or like play, like it just seems like irrelevant, you know? Yeah. But I think like I've seen a ton of highlights of like previous World Cups that I didn't play it, like the same mm. <laughs> like Pino Cross, like those I remember and like I watch. But it's just like our World Cup's just, it's just too good to be true. So I'm not going back and watching it. (laughs) I'm I'm curious. My bad, Rowan. Have you been, did you watch The Last Dance at all? Yes. So. I haven't seen the most recent ones, if it just came out again. Yeah. So they just came out last night. But I wanted to ask because one of them, it showed the 92 Dream Team in Barcelona. And it was just like a surreal Uh, like surrounding of them. Did that kind of bring back feelings of what it was like to be in that situation with just everybody, like the hype around it? Yeah. Like in a way it's always surprising when you're in a different country and people are still supportive. Um, And especially like we're like the US women's national team. So once we see, you know, people speaking different languages or outside of this like US like boundary, it's like you expect to be everyone's adversary, you know? Mm -hmm. Um, but because the team and what it represents, I think it's transcended those boundaries as well. And we have so many international fans, so many people even like writing us from other countries. And, um, and, and that's really strange to me in a way, but it's, it's amazing. And I think it's, it's because the the team represents something that's more than football. It's more than like Mm -hmm. your team, um, that we have that. Forgive my ignorance here, you know, for the soccer, you know, uh, world in general but like is that forgive phenomenon? us for saying soccer as well we'll, we'll call it football <laughs> football yes well football. i mean but just forgive the ignorance here but the question <laughs> i, you know, I want to ask is like is that a new phenomenon for you guys like did that exist with the team you know a decade ago or has that kind of been something new where you have all these international fans from different countries because you guys have become essentially international rock stars you know i can't answer that um because i've only been on this team for this decade but i mean the amount of growth i've seen since you know my first games with the national team till now has been crazy and i i do imagine that um the 99ers had a bit of transcendence and a bit of power um when they won their world cup and and kind of changed the trajectory of the sport um but each but each time we play I, i honestly feel like the movement and the culture of football is just growing so rapidly and we're in such an interesting time where um the competition internationally is getting better um women's teams are getting more funding um and so that actually just makes our job harder and harder and it's it's a challenge that we welcome um because it's it's so good for the sport um but it, it's it's a very very pivotal time for for women's sports and um and for women's soccer in particular uh, that's a good way to bring up, actually, um, now that Chops mentioned The Last Dance, I saw that Netflix was going to roll out um, a documentary on the 99ers. Would you ever allow that type of access, um, maybe for the next World Cup, 
just have a camera crew completely following you guys around and then eventually make a documentary out of it? Or is that something that you wouldn't want that added pressure? Um, I see. I don't think of it as added pressure at all because there's so many eyes on you no matter what you're doing, especially during the World Cup. I think it's a little bit of intimacy that you have to want um, to let the world into your private moments. And I think for as long as I've been on the team, we have had so much exposure. Um, mm -hmm. Every part of our life is already looked at. And so um, the breaks between like interviews and camera shots is, act are, is actually really important. I personally wouldn't be like super comfortable having like a camera crew around all the time. However, I do think it's beautiful and amazing to be able to like share your authentic story in that way. So it's, it's something I would consider. Um, but I think, you know, as a team, we've really held on to two things. Like one, the power of the group um, and kind of keeping that just to us and for us and allowing that power to be ours so that we can use it the way we want. Um, but also just understanding our worth and, you know, what it would be worth to have a camera crew come in and, and get access to that is, is more than anything we've ever been offered. And I think a way that we fight for all our equality is by saying no. Um, and so I think if there was ever a deal or a partnership that allowed us to have control and power and be able to tell the story the way we wanted, I think we would certainly go for that. That's, that's very interesting you bring that up because a lot of people when talking about The Last Dance were like Michael had so much power over it and so much control. But as an athlete, I would assume that's what you want because you want to tell your own story. You don't want anybody else to tell the story for you, right? Yeah, yeah. It, it, it's, it's I guess it's like an exploitation thing. Like I have a story that I want to share. It's hard when it's like a team because it's like our team story. So we kind of have to collectively decide what that story is that we want to share. Um, but, but there's always a partner and they have a story that they want to tell. And mm -hmm. so if that story ends up being the truth, fine. But if it's a story, that's an illusion, you know, that's normally, that's what it is. It's, you know, we have a brand, the US Women's national team is a brand and it has the, the boundaries as I kind of started off with. And so, you know, most people want to come in and make a, a documentary that was within those boundaries of like what the, the women's national team can and cannot be. And that to me isn't interesting. That's just like all the media that you get all the time. There would be no difference. So if we were ever to tell a story, I would want it to feel like very different in a way that it was very authentic and true and intimate and new. But if you guys did have cameras following you the way they did for the 97, 98 Bulls, what U.S. Women's National Team member would be exposed as the pettiest competitor the way Jordan was to his teammates <laughs> and just, you know, completely ridiculous and over the top with winning? Ooh, that's so hard because our whole team's so cool. Everyone's like that. Everyone's programmed like that. <laughs> yeah, no, but it, it's honestly, it's true. It's so with all admiration, Kelly would definitely be the top. <laughs> they is freaking winner. Alex is the winner. These, these, I mean, but so many players on our team have fits over losing 5v5 and such. So, I mean, when I was watching that, I was like, well. <laughs> it reveals a lot about like great athletes and what, and what makes them great because I see it every single day. So Kristen, we have like a few years, obviously, before the next Women's World Cup. They're going to decide um, at the end of June where the location is going to be. But 
how do you see them start rolling out the different leagues? Like we saw Bundesliga came back this past weekend. Um, before you jumped on, we were talking about Korean baseball and how it's back. So we see slowly different leagues are starting to come back. Um, and there's been a lot of rumors about the NWSL. And I heard, I saw yesterday that they were saying they want to do a summer tournament maybe to have it come back or just roll it out regularly. What are your thoughts on that? How do you think the best way to go about it is? To be honest, I have no idea. And I think about it a lot. <laughs> Which is okay. I feel like no yeah, one has any idea. <laughs> yeah, I think I just like have to say it how it is. Like I have no idea. Like I'm no expert, but I just, I do feel like there's so much unpredictability and uncertainty in this time mm -hmm. that like I would endorse a very careful approach. Um, and I, I do, I think fundamentally like the well-being and health of, of everyone is more important than anything. And so as hard as it is to not be able to do what I love and as hard as, as it is that, you know, hundreds of thousands of people are being furloughed and, um, and are dying. And, and this, it's been just like a very scary and unprecedented time. I just, mm -hmm feel like we have to stay committed, each of us to doing our part. Um, and how do you, like from there, how are you training? Because one of the biggest things I thought about when they moved the Olympics to next year is, oh my God, what does this do to all of the bodies and all of the training? Like you think of gymnasts, for example, who train their bodies to peak for an Olympic year and are now being told to push that a year. How do you train your own body to prepare for the return of the league, the Olympics, the World Cup in a few years, all of those different things. Yeah. So in one way, I feel that the strange setup of women's soccer has given us an advantage because we have a five-month off-season every year. And so I'm very used to being in my own environment and training. And I actually am very diligent and thoughtful in how I train. And I feel like those months are when I get my biggest edge. You know, when you're in a team environment, you're just training with what you're being told to do and everybody's being told to do the same. And so it's actually in those long stretches of, of time that you don't get to play that I feel like you get real technical and tactical advantages. And so from, from one, on one hand, I think that this is a moment where I can train and get an advantage because, you know, especially in this country, we're all we're all not playing right now. Um, and so um, that's one way to think about it. I think the other way is because there's no, no certainty of the other side, it's hard to train when you don't have something to train for or like a date. And so normally in an off season, I'm like, okay, I have five months. And so I can like map out my five months. And now I, I don't know what I have. I don't know when it will be safe to play again. And I think it's actually been a bit of a mental push that I've gone through where I am staying committed to pushing myself to the point of discomfort regularly because it's easy during this time to be like, well, I'll just like keep it in my comfort zone. And so I just commit to like being uncomfortable, running so hard that I don't feel good. I'm doing things that I don't feel like it. I don't want to get lethargic. So that's like my commitment. And then, you know, I think the hard part is like, you just have to be committed in, in a given day because you can't say I'm going to be committed for a week or a month because it could just get pushed back again or change again. Um, and I do think, you know, your body composition can actually change during this time. And so it's like, how do you want it to change? And so right after we got sent home, you know, we had had 
I had a really hard off season where I, I, you know, was pushing really hard to, to get stronger. Um, and then we had qualifying and then we had a she believes tournament. So I was actually exhausted. So I started off with a complete break thinking that it was going to be, you know, two weeks total that I wouldn't be playing. So I was like, I'm going to take two weeks off, you know, and now I'm looking at it and I'm like, I, I have to actually change the composition. I have this opportunity to change the composition of my body and get stronger and get faster and actually be different. So when it's time to go, um, like you never have that time as an athlete. So I guess I just try to see and, and trying to be ready for everything. That's amazing. That's, a, that's amazing. That's mo- more than most people are doing in the quarantine. Yeah. <laughs> most people are just watching Netflix. Uh, Kristen, before we get you out of here, we have a few segments that we do weekly. One's a rapid fire question. You want to play with us? Oh, do it's going to be fun. It's going to be really fun. Laughing? It's going to be fun. It's going to be fun. <laughs> First one, Tiger King or Love is Blind? Neither. Neither. Wow. Okay. Didn't Hard no on the Tiger She's King. training. She's not watching Netflix. Haven't okay. seen Love is Blind. Do you watch anything on Netflix? Are you into any of the Netflix shows? No, I don't watch television. So wow. Sad. Oh, wow. There we go. Seeing us all to shame. I, I, <laughs> yeah. I watch select things on television about once a week. I turn on television. What, well, you got to tell us what, you got to tell the audience what the one thing a week is. Well, I told you right now, I've been watching The Last Dance. So that's one. Okay, week. The Last Dance counts. Okay, yeah. Yeah, well, that's actually twice a week. So that's like over my limit. <laughs> there, <laughs> you go. there you go. <laughs> Texting or talking on the phone? Texting. Okay. 100%. Talking is exhausting. <laughs> in sync or Backstreet Boys? Backstreet Boys. Okay. Jumping out of a plane or climbing a mountain? Climbing a mountain. I'm surprised. Said it Ta- so fast. <laughs> right? Tacos or pizza? Oh, both. Uh, nice. Tacos. California girl. There we go. Gucci or Louie? Right, there we go. Uh, we have another segment called One Gotta Go. This one's just as fun. Okay, you ready? Okay, I'm ready. <laughs> Messi, Ronaldo, Neymar. One Gotta Go. One's Gotta Go. Yes. Go where? <laughs> just out of your top three. You can only have two. They don't go anywhere. Go. What a shame for the, the sport. Um, right? Ronaldo. Hey. <laughs> wow. Same um, one I would choose. This one's gonna be this one's gonna be tough. Mia Hamm, Megan Rapino, Abby Wambach. One's gotta go. I can't I can't. <laughs> we they're, asked the hard hitting questions here. Yeah, this, this is the hardest part of the whole show. <laughs> no, they're my friends. They could listen to this. <laughs> so okay, they can all stay. It has any annoyed you recently, maybe that you want to yeah. choose to go? <laughs> yeah, you know, because she would most easily forgive me. <laughs> all right, how about how about this question then? Out of the three of them, who's the best trash talker? Oh, that's a good one. Gabby. All right, we'll take it. That's good. This one, this one's probably easy. One got to go: the World Cup or the Olympics. Oh gosh, you're trying to get me in trouble. Why is that in trouble? Because it, it, that's like a that's like a hard thing. Like the Olympics is like all about your country and representing, and the World Cup is like all football. You know, it's like football thing. Yeah. I mean, I personally prefer the World Cup, but maybe because I won twice, I yeah. haven't won an Olympics. So, I but that's that makes also the Olympics, you know, on my top list of things I need to do. That's true. 
and hopefully we will see you there in 2021, correct? Yes, knock on wood. We can't wait to watch and have the country be captivated once again. Uh, Kristen, thank you so much for joining us. Uh, this was so much fun. You're doing so much amazing things uh, with your company, the fashion world. Everybody go check out Reink. Anything you want to add before you get out of here? No, thank you guys. This was great. Had a great time. Appreciate thank you, you so much. Thanks, Kristen. We're excited Bye. to see you next year. Bye. Thank you. Big thank you to Kristen Press, two-time World Cup winner, for joining this really fun conversation. I think, you know, just speaking for myself and Adam, probably you too, I learned a lot from Kristen during that conversation, um, kind of about what it's like to be a champion on that level, you know, World Cup champion. So uh, huge shout to her for joining us. And hopefully the women get paid the same as the men coming up because I think that I think the the discrepancy is complete bullshit. I think she did a good job of of laying out, but they have a longer or, or a much longer road to get to that point, which is kind of ridiculous in 2020. But I think she laid it out, you know, succinctly for us and good to get a perspective on stuff because again, she is one of the top women's players in the world, and I don't know why U.S. soccer won't pay the women the best team in the world the money they deserve, but you know. We're not we're not a, we're not a politics podcast. So, thank you for everybody for listening. Thank you for Lamar Jackson for joining. Thank you for Zion for joining earlier. Uh, make sure you subscribe, listen on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen and subscribe to your podcast. We're still new and noteworthy. I'm going to keep saying that until we're not. So hopefully it's for a long time. For Adam, this is your man Chops. Until next week, we'll see you later. Special thanks to our producer Josh Dodd, our associate producer and sound engineer Jasmine Plata, our production manager Chantel Correa, our talent booker Shanice Kelman, who gets us all our great guests, our director of talent relations Kristen Price Harrell, who also gets us the great guests, our senior director of operations Jen Stewart. Shout out to the main man in charge, our GM Donnie Kwok. This is a production of Complex Networks. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade.